Oh, wait. In the... David, Sh- wait, is that the David Schwimmer? Yeah, that's the David Schwimmer. He's in this too? Hey, guys, I'm Alon. And I'm David, and welcome to our podcast, I Finally Watched. Today, we have a special double feature episode where I finally watched John Carter. And I finally watched My Best Friend's Wedding. So, Alon, why don't we start first with My Best Friend's Wedding to, um, I don't know, you would say to start with the best one, and I'll say to get it out of the way. So, give me a quick rundown of the movie, of the, you okay. know, a, little, a little synopsis. So, My Best Friend's Wedding stars Julia Roberts, who plays uh, this woman, Julianne, a food critic. And she's like 27, 28 years old. And a while back, when she was dating this guy, Michael, they, I, from what I take, they had like a short relationship. And uh, they broke it off because they kind of found out that they made better friends than lovers. And they made such good friends that they decided that when they both turned 27 or both turned 28, that if neither of them were married, then they would marry each other. So like three weeks before her 28th birthday, she gets a voicemail call from Michael saying, I need to speak to you urgently. So she gets all excited thinking, oh, you know, he's 28 already and I'm turning 28. So this must be the call where he asked me to marry him. And she finds out that he's engaged to someone else and uh, they're gonna get married and he wants her to be there at the wedding. And so the whole, I guess the whole kind of thing of the movie is she tries to break up the wedding and win him back. And not, he's not just marrying someone else. He's marrying a 20-year-old Cameron Diaz, who's yes. 25 at the time of filming. But Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's marrying a in-her-prime Cameron Diaz. Who's also the, good God, who's also the daughter of a billionaire who owns, I believe, the Chicago White Sox in the movie? Yeah, he owns the Chicago White Sox. Um, and Michael is a sports writer himself. So yeah, it, he's marrying into this like very wealthy, very like perfectly business oriented family, beautiful uh, bride and everything like that. And uh, yeah, so the, the stakes are high on this one. Well, okay, so I, I grew up with this movie. Um, my mom had me watch a lot, a lot of Julia Roberts rom-coms growing up. And this was definitely like one of my favorites um, because I, I feel like as far as 90s rom-coms go, this one kind of breaks the mold. I'm not saying it's like gigantically revolutionary, but for me, it was enjoyable. And watching it again recently, it was still enjoyable. I don't know if that's mainly nostalgic reasons, but I mean, yeah. For being, what, when was this, like a 90, 96, 97. 97? So what does that make it, like thir- 13 years old? I'm sorry, tw- what? Oh, it was, I'm sorry, 23-year-old 20, movie? Um, there you are. Yeah, <laughs> this is definitely not 2010. No, so for being like a 23-year-old movie, it's definitely, you know, some things have aged uh, poorly, but I still found really funny, like genuinely funny moments in it that had me laughing and also had me questioning did my parents really let me watch this when I was like seven years old so 
So it was definitely, it was enjoyable. There were a lot of moments where, um, super like awkward moments, like uh, Cameron Diaz's terrible singing in the karaoke bar, mm-hmm. where I was, uh, I guess, as you would describe today, it was very cringy. My major takeaway from the movie was just how horrible Julia Roberts and um, her best friend, Mike O'Neill, played by, I think it's Dermot Mulroney. I get him and Dylan Dylan McDermott, like those names. I know the two, I know them different, like I know they're different people, (laughs) the names. Yeah. Anyway, they're just really bad people, Julia Roberts. Really? Really? You think think, um, Michael is a bad guy? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. One, just having that close of a relationship with Julia Roberts, like while he's engaged this woman, like the way he interacts with her is a little much. Yeah. But then, but then also the way he talks to Cameron Diaz in the scene where uh, Julia Roberts tries to set Cameron Diaz up to try and get Michael to quit his job and join uh, working with her father at the Chicago White Sox. And the way he's willing within two to three minutes to call off the wedding basically browbeat her into apologizing like he's just not a great person yeah i i guess yeah you're right um definitely the way he yeah like you said i think anyone would feel uncomfortable you know and and you find out that cameron diaz is like this really really sweet uh naive debutante kind of gal and well in the beginning of the movie she asked Julia Roberts, who she's known for like eight seconds, to be her uh, maid of honor. And then you find out towards the end of the movie that it was one of those like, keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer sort of things. It, it, part of me thought, oh, maybe Cameron Diaz's character, Kim, maybe she kind of always knew what was happening with Julia Roberts and Michael. Um, I don't know. Some some was like, oh no, she's just naive. But then you you learn like, oh maybe she was aware and she was kind of playing the other side of it too. Well, the the other thing too is so they're like twenty seven. They said that they they broke up and decided to become basically she friend zoned him nine years ago, I think. So <laughs> yeah. when they were like eighteen, nineteen, they were freshmen or sophomores in college, I think. But then they, they talk about this night they had six years ago in, I think, Mexico. No, it was like Tucson. It was Tucson. Tucson. Or, yeah. Same thing. Whatever. Anyway, and they talk about this night, and she's like, oh, that's the night we decided to um, – that's the night we decided that once we turn 28, if neither of us is married, we'll get married. But when she brings up that night to Michael, he's like, oh, yeah, I think about that night every day. I'm like, all right, well, what happens? Like, were you mm-hmm. guys – were you guys friends with, it almost alludes to that they were friends with benefits throughout the years. Um, yeah, I mean, even like you were saying, his demeanor and the things that he says to her, you know, when uh, Cameron Diaz is trying on wedding dresses. No, no, I'm sorry, it's not wedding dresses. It's uh, when Julia Roberts is trying on her maid of, maid of honor gown and she's in the dressing room and he just walks in the dressing room and she's in her, her lingerie. <laughs> and before he leaves the room, he's like something like, "Oh, you still look good with 
the little clothes you have on or something like that. That's just not something you say to your best friend a week before your wedding. Like two days before the wedding. Like two days before the wedding. Yeah. yeah. It It's very, their, their relationship is very weird and honestly would make anyone uncomfortable. And the fact now, that Cameron Diaz just takes it like a ch- champ. Now my real issue is like Julia Roberts does so many malicious crazy things to try and get Mike back in fact one of them I think might have been like the commission of a crime by sending that <laughs> by hacking into someone's I don't know, it's not I might even meet the de- technical definition of hacking and then preparing an email like she may have committed some sort of fraud there <laughs> um the fa- I think the fact that you know in rom-coms, you kind of have to suspend your disbelief at certain plot device devices. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she does all this, <laughs> and within an hour of finding out that Julia Roberts tried to sabotage his wedding and get him fired from his job, or not necessarily get him fired from his job, but do something that could have jeopardized his job, he, for- he forgives her very, very quickly. And then Cameron Diaz, who has known her for three days, also forgives her very, very quickly. Yeah, I did find that very weird. Um, like you said, it is a rom-com, so you just have to like, you know, take it as it is. But at the at the end of the movie, and we'll just talk about the end here, so spoilers. At the end of the movie, Julia Roberts and, and Michael uh, kiss under a gazebo. Uh, and this is right after Julia tells him that she's loved him she's always loved him um and and she wants him to choose her to wed instead of cameron diaz um and then of course cameron diaz walks in on the middle of the kiss and runs away and he chases her and then julia roberts chases him and the foot chase turns into a car chase and basically at the train station they uh they lose Cameron Diaz and I took it that when Julia goes to find Cameron Diaz to kind of try to patch things up and make up for everything that was kind of her redemption because she finds her in like the the bathroom of a stadium and um and and gets her back in time for the wedding and I and I I guess the writers of the movie want to step think okay that was enough to like take back every single crime and wrongdoing that that she did from the beginning of the movie i did like in that scene all the women listening in and like like it was an episode of oprah being like uh-uh mm-hmm. and then like at the end like oh yeah you guys should hug oh everything's better now it was fun. well i i think watching this movie again um after years and years and years there were very specific parts of the movie that I thought, oh my God, that's like genius. Like, oh, it's so funny. Like, and it's very small, insignificant parts. Like the fact that she steals a bread truck and towards the end of the third act, the, um, or I guess I should say the beginning of the third act, there's now a random car chase scene in this, in the middle of this rom-com where she's talking to Michael and the, the kids are like, like sucking up helium and singing. I'm like, it's so weird, but it's so funny that I'm like, I, there's just these moments that I just really love in this movie. 
I'd say my favorite part of the movie was uh, Rupert Everett, who plays George, her best friend who's gay, um, who for part of the movie pretends to be her fiance. Mm-hmm. Like every every scene he's in is like, basically everything he says is funny in the entire oh, he's, movie. He he was definitely the the like the shining star of of the movie. Yeah, so I liked him. I mean, overall. Um, are you going to say about the, the singing part in the restaurant? Say a little prayer. My, my wife, before we watched it, she had seen it. She was like, I like one part of this movie and you need to guess what part it was. And then as that part started, she's like, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so funny. And I think, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the beats in the movie, like the very beginning, the musical number to open up the movie. Which just um, kept going. I like, I thought it was going to be a, a minute. <laughs> And then I just, oh wow, it's this, it's this well, whole you song. Forget, you forget in the 90s, you have to have like five minutes of opening credits to every movie. So, That's true. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, even the Helium Kids singing is like a musical beat that starts the third act. And then at the very end where the song comes in on the radio of the car was the same song. Um, and then they dance at the end, which was the same song that they sung at the... Uh, at the restaurant. Oh yeah, she I, also, Julia Roberts also gives uh, her song that she has with Mike. She's like, here, you guys can have this song as your song um, because Mike and Cameron Diaz didn't have a song together. So basically this song that we probably boned to, you guys can have your first dance with it. I'll let you, I'll loan it to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. Very magnanimous. Yeah, there's definitely some writing flaws in this movie that make it be like, oh, why would you ever forgive her? Why, why would you ever condone this relationship with your, your husband, uh, your about-to-be husband? Um, and then, but I think that was like, okay, she's come full circle. She learned her lesson, and she's going to give up, like, the one last romantic thing she had with Michael to their relationship. Um, and that's, like, her moment of finally letting go. So I'll, I'll have to ask you, did you like this movie? How much did you like this movie? And would you ever watch this movie again? I'll start with the easiest answer. Um, I will not ever watch this movie again. Oh. I enjoyed it. Um, I had a lot of problems with it, obviously, plot-wise. But it's an enjoyable romantic comedy. And a lot of those things that I have a problem with plot-wise are just things that are in all you know, romantic comedies don't necessarily have to make logical story sense for them to be entertaining. Um, I will say that uh, if I'm going to watch a Julia Roberts movie, I'd probably go um, Notting Hill or Runaway Bride. I think those are like my go-to ones that I enjoyed growing up. So maybe rewatch those at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm glad I watched it, uh, but I won't revisit it. Understandable. Understandable. So... I guess at this point would be a good time to get to John Carter if you're ready to talk about that. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So Um, I'll just, a quick synopsis. John Carter is a uh, cavalry cavalry man uh, that fought in the Civil War for the South. He is trying to find gold in the West in, I want to say, Navajo tribe land. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's escaping um, a pack of Native Americans that are, are chasing him and these other U.S. soldiers that are trying to 
tame the territory in, the, in their words. And he goes into a cave and um, is somehow transported to Mars. Um, just that old, that old gem of a story. Um, and in this movie, Mars is called uh, Barsoom. And because he is used to the gravitational, I should have just said gravity, because he's used to the gravity of Earth, he has, um, he's stronger in Mars. He can punch harder. He can jump with very little effort. Um, he's kind of superhuman compared to the people of Mars. So he runs into um, a bunch of different tribes in Mars that are kind of warring. And he meets a, uh, a princess. And, um, you know, we're just going to talk about the entire plot here. So, you know, spoil, go watch it if you, if, if you want. Um, and they fall in love. And he also has to defeat um, a bad guy that is backed by these super powerful wizard type guys that are called therns. And so um, it's John Carter uh, conquering Mars. I wouldn't say yeah. exactly conquering, but that's the basic <laughs> plot. Uh, saving yeah. the planet, marrying the woman, um, you know, just random epic stuff. So, yeah. Alon. Mm -hmm. What are you, what were your thoughts? Well, you know, I, I heard this, this movie lost um, the studio uh, a lot of money and. Unimportant, it, but go on. <laughs> yeah, I just, I didn't have, I didn't hear very positive things about the movie um, <laughs> other than from you. Um, so going into it, I basically had like dirt expectations <laughs> i was like okay this is gonna be bad i'm prepared when i told my girlfriend oh we're gonna watch john carter and she's like oh what's that and i pull it up on uh i pull it up on netflix and she goes oh <laughs> so i'm like yeah pretty much my sentiment exactly um here, here's what i want to get out first of all i have no problem with disney epics um i love a lot of Disney live action epics. Like I loved Pirates of the Caribbean. I loved uh, National Treasure. And obviously those two films, <laughs> National Treasure more has their own flaws and everything. But there was something that I just couldn't get over with, with John Carter. And I think what it was is the, the movie's like two hours and 15 minutes long, is that it just tried to stuff so much in those two hours and 15 minutes that was not just confusing to the plot, but I felt for an epic Western space story kind of dragged a lot of the time. What confused you? I'll, I'm here to help. Uh-huh. It, see, it's not so much, like, confusing as in, like, because it's kind of, um, like, you explained the pot plot. It's just about this guy uh, back in the Civil War who gets transported to Mars, so he just has to kind of deal with the aliens and the social political nuances that are happening there, and the fact that because of the gravitational pull being so different, uh, he's basically Superman. Um, <laughs> and there, there were a few things that I actually did enjoy about the movie like I thought I'm trying to find good things to say about this movie um 
Well, you could say it, anything about the movie. Just tell the people how you feel. My main takeaway from the movie is that it was actually a lot funnier than what I thought was what I was going into. Um, I thought some of the comic beats were actually really, really good. Uh, like when he's at the bar in the beginning um, and he's like, oh, you want to fight? And he definitely, he gets like, he gets punched out immediately. And then he, he ends up in front of the, uh, the rest of the cavalry men and he tries to escape and all his escaping attempts are like stopped short um, until he's thrown in jail. And then he's punched out again. And the comic beats on that were, were actually pretty funny. There were times um, I thought it dragged as far as the story goes, as far as the, the relationship with the princess goes. There's one point where he gets exiled from this um, alien camp and the, the tharks and he has to he escapes with the daughter of the head thark um sola yes and they have to go down this river the river is because they get to the end of the river is and they they get to like this huge structure they get inside and there's like this this uh solar system map and that's where he kind of figures out oh he's not on earth anymore he's on mars but i i feel like that's kind of all they figure out like that there's whole plot points that the ending of the plot points are just answers that the audience already knows which just made the movie unnecessarily long when this first came out really loved this movie it was my my wife and i one of the few people in the theaters obviously uh, from how much money it lost. And we just really liked it. And we're like, oh, I wonder why this is not not doing well. And then that actually led me to um, read all the books. And one takeaway from the, this is based on the, the first book, obviously. Uh, one takeaway is that they did really kind of change and kind of complicate the story a little bit. Um, the therns that are these kind of all magical wizards that sort of are trying to control um Barsoom, Mars and 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 how it's going to be run and keep their power. Um they are uh they are not really in that first book. <laughs> They're in the <laughs> second book, but it's like kind of completely different. I wanted to try and read a synopsis of the book because I don't remember it that well. But I still like just really enjoyed, yeah, the touches of comedy. I thought the action was really good. Um and I also just kind of enjoyed the the world building story that it was it's kind of this it was you know it's obviously it was a novel that was written in like 1910 um but it was like this fresh thing that wasn't star wars or marvel or dc it was this like whole new world that they could kind of build to be what they wanted and so i really like i just really enjoyed it i found it funny one thing the thing i like the most about it is so the story that takes place on Mars and starts with John Carter is actually kind of a flashback of sorts um, read by his nephew. Um, John Carter in the beginning, uh, is, his nephew is told that John Carter's died. And so his nephew comes to his estate, John Carter is extremely wealthy, comes to his estate and said, hey, this, um, your uncle wanted you to be the executor of his will. 
and only you are allowed to read this journal. And then John Carter in the journal is like, you, you've always believed in my stories. I need you to believe this one. And then that sets up the entire part of Mars. And then mm-hmm. at the end of Mars, these magical therns, I feel like I'm reading like a Dungeons and Dragons synopsis, but <laughs> these therns send John Carter back to Earth so that they can once again control Mars because John Carter is, he's super strong and able to, he's, he's, he's somewhat of a match for them. And what I really enjoyed is the last, the last 10 minutes of the movie where the nephew has then just read this story and he's told like, you're the only one that can get in my tomb. He goes to the tomb, figures out the code to get in. And then he goes in and one of the therns, because these therns can go from world to world, is standing behind the nephew and is going to kill John Carter. But then John Carter is actually alive and he kills the thern. And this whole story was a trap so that he could get the what the therns used to travel from world to world so he could get back to his wife right uh, deja thoris and that part to me was just i thought so cool the way they set that up and i do think in rewatching it there was i was yeah it's not as great as i remembered it but it was still really good and i wish it had done well enough because i think this story could have expanded more there's obviously more books um but I think there was much more territory they could go with. The, the books actually deal a lot with the fact that Mars is, um, is dying. And I don't know if this would have been too, too political for 2012, but it, and they, they touch on this in the movie, it's kind of got a, um, like a climate change type narrative as far as Mars is dying, they're really out of water, um, and how they're ruining the planet and the therns go into how this happens planet after planet and it's going to happen they tell john carter it's going to happen to earth too um and that they dealt much more with that in the book and i think that story might have been more interesting i get what they're trying to do with the whole magical aspect of it and i still like the movie a lot but i can see they do try and pack a whole bunch into the movie so i do agree with that well, what makes what's interesting is that because, you know, I wonder because of people who read the book, did not enough people like the book? Because I feel like when a when a franchise is being made um, of something popular, before the reviews are even in, wouldn't those people go to see it? And it it, it makes me wonder of two things: one, because it's such an old book that maybe they did not have enough um, fans of it to support this kind of new franchise. And also, two, there isn't really any big-named actors as main characters to, like, really drive that box office. Like, Pirates of the Caribbean had Johnny Depp and Orlando Bloom. Um, National Treasure had... Pirates of the what? Caribbean. Caribbean, continue, whatever. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, National Treasure had Nicolas Cage and John Voight. And it just makes me think that maybe this was badly cast because for someone like John Carter, the character, I didn't think the actor, uh, what's his name? Taylor Kitsch. Kitsch? Yeah. I didn't think he was very charming or charismatic. You know, he kind of had this like Batman, Christian Bale voice the the entire time. And... uh, 
his like I don't know it just he didn't have this like enigmatic pull to him as a as a character well it's interesting at that time so he had just come off of Friday Night Lights the television show um, where he plays Tim Riggins I doubt you've watched Friday Night Lights the movie or the TV show nope um but after that there was a point where he was he was gonna be a huge actor he was in this which was you know Disney didn't advertise it very much but I mean the budget's like 250 million or something crazy it's maybe even higher I don't remember so they put a lot of money behind a movie where he's the main character and at the same time he was in Battleship which Spoiler alert, I, I liked Battleship. So Of course you did. Uh-huh. Um, so he did John Carter and Battleship and Savages all in the same year. And I think, I don't, I, I liked all three. I, of course you did. Battleship is like, I think a better version of like the Transformer movies, to be honest with you. I don't think wow, Trans- you set the bar. Yeah, you set the bar real high with that one. But the thing is, the Transformer movies made a shit ton of money. Uh-huh. It's like, well, obviously they're like popcorn movies that aren't very intellectually challenging, but they're still entertaining movies. I enjoy entertaining movies and intellectually challenging movies. I really yeah, love but see, Yeah, see, that's the thing, though, is that I enjoy entertaining movies, too. But there's some that are just bad. Yeah, like My Best Friend's Wedding. I get it. Anyway, I was making a point. At this time, they were trying to make they, like there's this conspiracy he was kind of on an uptick, but John Carter, Battleship, I guess Savages too, didn't do great. I've never even heard of Savages. Savages is actually, I don't know, you might like it, whatever. It stars um, him and then Aaron Taylor-Johnson from Kick-Ass and Blake yeah, Lively. Yeah, And okay. basically him and Aaron Taylor-Johnson are these kind of badass guys that I think they, do they rob people? Anyway, they face off against the Mexican drug cartel who kidnaps Blake Lively. They both, like, share her as a girlfriend. Um, It's directed by Oliver Stone. I forgot that part. Uh, It's an entertaining, interesting movie. I wouldn't say great. But anyway, my overall point is, I think at this time, they thought this guy was going to be huge. And he kind of had two major tentpole blockbuster movies that he was the face of and neither did that great um and so it didn't work out i think since then he's actually kind of done some smaller pretty great stuff he's the uh he plays david koresh in waco the uh a miniseries that i think is on netflix now and i've heard that's great um he was an american assassin which is a really kind of good movie that i enjoy I yeah, I see that he's, you know, also in, like, True Detective and... Um... Well, that's the season that everyone hates. Oh. Um, but, whatever. <laughs> my, I, the, the most famous no, person... No, please, keep, keep proving my point. <laughs> well, no, he, was most... ex, he was in X-Men Origins. You know, that did really well. Everyone absolutely loved that. Um... Uh, so, anyway, I actually really like him as an actor. I think he kind of got unlucky with these two movies. John mm-hmm. Carter isn't considered bad because of him like the story i can agree is a little bit muddled and it's packing so much information a little bit muddled a little bit a I, little bit i would we'll, say it's a lot muddled i say that there's actually a good story in john carter but it's completely surrounded with crap 
and it suffocates what actually could have been good. Uh, it could have been better. It could have been shorter. Um, and in terms, it could have been more tolerable, but it wasn't. So here we are. Yeah, no, I agree. It obviously could have been better. Um, Julie Roberts could have been a better person in my best friend's wedding, but she wasn't. But see, that was the story. At least, at least see, when I told you to watch this, this movie, um, it was like an hour and a half long. You made me watch a 135 minute movie. <laughs> Two hours, 12 minutes. It was so convoluted, especially at the end. Um, not at the very, see, not at the very end where, what was it, his nephew? that opened his casket, which was a trap for the, for the thirds, but where it was like the final battle um, between him and uh, the guy that she was gonna marry, who I have no idea how to say anyone's name in the movie besides John Carter. Um, you mean Dotar Sojat? Was that the? That was John Carter's warrior name. Okay. I um one thing that they do in the book. So the book, obviously written in like the nineteen hundred, early nineteen hundreds, um, is it's kind of they're shorter, but such a mm -hmm. difficult read because we just don't talk like that anymore, and so it's it's kind of dense because of that. But I, <laughs> it always made me laugh. It was like an inside joke with no one but me because no one went back and read these books. But <laughs> they always referred to um, so the princess that he marries is Deja Thoris, and they yeah. always. And whenever they spoke about her, because it's written from John Carter's point of view, um, always calls her the incomparable Deja Thoris. And so it, whenever like her name is mentioned, I always am like the incomparable Deja Thoris. But I mean, Tars Tarkas, Tal Hajus, Mata Shang, played by Mark Strong. I mean, Mark Strong's a pretty big actor. Um, yeah, I mean, Mark Strong is, is a big actor. And the guy who plays Tars Tarkas is Willem Dafoe, who is a, another big actor. And it's just his voice. You know, his voice work is 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 fine. Um, I saw in the credits um, that John Favreau is in there playing one of the uh, Tarks, and um, I was trying to kind of find which one, but they all look the same, so I don't know. Uh, he it's at the very beginning of the movie. He walks into this bar, and there's like this the bartender or shop. I guess back then the bar was the shopkeep, whatever. And he wanted items, and the the guy behind the bar to sell him the the items looked a lot like John Favreau. Um, and so I turned to my girlfriend. I was like, "Oh, I didn't know John Favreau was in this movie as a joke." And then when I went to look up the cast and saw that he was actually uh, a voice of one of the aliens, I was like, "Oh, that's that's really funny." I I didn't I had no idea. Well, that was uh that was Donna's father from that '70s show was the barkeep. Her actual father? No, you mean the father in the show. Donna is not a real person from that 70s show. Laura Prepon is a real person. <laughs> that Donna is, is not her dad. <laughs> <laughs> it okay. is her dad in the movie. Oh, wait. In the David Sh Wait, is that the David Schwimmer? Yeah, that's the David Schwimmer. He's in this too? I could not find him either. So well, that's because he's a young Thark warrior. Like, you're not going to see them. Was he a baby? Did he do the crying of all the little like pu pupa babies that hatched? Overall, uh -huh. what did you think of the movie? Not being a hater, but just okay. your actual thoughts. Okay. 
And will you watch it again? So my honest opinion, without being too down on this movie, um, is that it did have some actually genuine funny moments. And I believe that there is a good movie in there if they stopped and took out a lot of the repetitiveness and like the slow story arcs and worked more on um, John Carter and the princess's relationship and made that more, I felt like that was kind of ingenuine. They didn't give them a lot of like great moments to like build that romance up. And I felt like, oh, you know, there's a lot of places in the movie where you could have taken this out or you could have cut this shorter and you could have put in more places to build that romance. I can say that I have no desire to ever watch John Carter beyond this point. I'm, I'm sorry. I could have guessed that you were never going to watch this again. I don't think I'll watch it again anytime soon just because the story has the ability to continue obviously because it did so poorly it won't and so it's such a just a one-off story that it, it kind of disappoints me that we couldn't get more of it so yeah I mean I'll eventually you know I'll check in to time from time to time on John Carter of Mars that's the other thing too it's just the marketing behind this was so poor that like yeah you may say it's not that great of a movie I think people feel that way about Lone Ranger too. I don't think that did as poorly. So with the name Disney behind something and a marketing campaign, like something's not going to do that poorly. Well, I, don't, I don't even think Lone Ranger has an excuse. I mean, it had Johnny Depp behind it. It had Army Hammer behind it. Um, so, you know, that was just probably up for bad writing and um, some inappropriate uh, – ethnic casting so i like the lone ranger so of course you did of course you did all <laughs> right guys well that's our uh, that's the episode um i'm alon and i like good movies <sighs> i'm david and i'm not a pretentious ass and i like a <laughs> lot of movies <laughs> all right see you guys next time later <laughs>